and welcome to another episode of Bitter and Jaded. I'm your host, Joshua Scott, and today I have with me the writer of Fifty Shades of Grayskull, my friend Steven. What's up, man? How are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I hope the sequel uh, lands as hard as the is the first book, but uh, we'll see as time goes. Uh, there's there's more secrets in, in, in those chasms than you realize. <laughs> yeah, part two, the secret of the chasm. Uh, so tell people a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, um, I am a a Georgia native. Uh, so depending on where I am in the country, my accent is uh, thicker or lesser. Uh, people will call me out in the north, even though I've worked. Pretty hard to not have a deep Southern accent. Uh, uh, myself, I, I consider myself somewhat of a, a proto geek. I'm, I'm somebody who's big into geek culture, but at the same time, I, uh, I, I try to look uh, as, as normal as I can so people don't harass me in the street. I work in travel. I'm super overexcited about virtually all aspects of everything, and I can talk at great length whether you want me to or not. Yeah. So <laughs> Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, let's do, let's just start knocking some of these out. So, yeah, you actually something that uh, I haven't had on the show before. You're a salesperson. Um, so, like, I am. that's really cool. Um, that's something that I've always, like, thought about. Like, man, I always say, if this doesn't work out, I'm just going to go into sales. <laughs> so, what is there it like? There are a lot of sales jobs. What is it like to be a salesman? Sales representative, so, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, first of all, I, I wanted to, to be a salesman is both uh, very exciting and it's also very stressful because a lot of jobs you get, are like, hey, you've got this job, do this task from, let's say, eight to five, and then go home and relax. In my job, it's like, not only am I responsible for doing that, but in some ways, it's like, I'm responsible for making sure that all of my coworkers eat. You know what I mean? Because like, if I don't sell stuff, if I don't bring stuff into the company, if I don't bring money in, then they don't, we don't have money to pay salaries and so forth and stuff. So it's super important for me to do that. So I feel like all of my team, I've become like a like a weird parental figure for because I want to make sure that they have jobs to do and, and money to think. And and the other side of that is I have to justify my own existence. Mm. A salesman that does not sell is, is there's no reason to have that person employed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so like if, if your job is to to be there uh, and do something like if you're, if you're the graphic artist, your job is to do the graphic art. So the, so the needs come in, you do the graphic art, it goes out. But if my job is to sell that art, and I'm not selling that art. They're going to cut me loose and find somebody that can sell that art. Yeah. You know, so so it is what it is. So that is it is. It's both super exciting. I feel like that that one of the nice things is, is I get paid a little commission because I'm a salesman, which means my salary is whatever I make it to be. That's good. So that's kind of fun too, because like there's no limit to the money I'm willing to make. Mm. You see. So like I'm, I'm out there trying to try to make the money. The downside is, is depending on what you're selling. Like, for instance, I sell a, a travel group travel. Um, and like what happens if there's like, let's say, I don't know, like a global pandemic and yeah, people let's can't say. go places. You know, <laughs> like it's unheard of, but if it were to happen, I would find myself in a very difficult situation. Like, you know, for, for a good year and a half, I couldn't take 50 little old ladies to the casino mm-hmm. because they're getting on a vacuum sealed steel tube with recycled air yeah. and being let out in the city to mingle amongst the other air and then get back onto the vacuum steel sealed tube to come home. Mm-hmm. And so... They couldn't do it, so it's it's been a it's been a financial it's been a back in the ramen noodle days of things. Yeah, so man. that's gonna feel like that's gonna come back, but for right now, I'm getting that big pack of red hot dogs. There you, know, you real go. Cheap <laughs> so so how long have you? Uh, how long have you been in sales? This I, I've been in sales for five years. This March, okay. Uh, I I did not expect to be in sales. I didn't go looking for sales. Sales found me. <laughs> um, what I spent 15 years in higher education administration. I worked in financial aid. 
Uh, and just to say a word on that, nothing says depressing like working in financial aid because <laughs> no one comes to you feeling good. You know, when you're yeah. in financial aid, people only come to you because they need money and don't have it. So after a while, I was like, I have sent enough people home in tears for losing a scholarship that I need to go do something else. <laughs> and I just so happened to answer a newsletter and I, I went to the owner of a company and I was like, hey, here are my talents. I'm great with technology. I've been working with computer systems my whole life. I've got this background in history. And the guy looks at me and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, you computers and history. What you are is a salesman. <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to no offense to other salesmen out there in the world, but like nobody really likes salesmen. Yeah. You know, like when you see him at the, at the, at the furniture outlet, like looking at you like your fresh meat when you're going in there, like I bet they want a couch or yeah. like when you go to the car lot, like nobody likes that guy. <laughs> uh, and so when I, when it kind of, it kind of hurt me here in my heart of hearts when, when I was told that I was a salesman, because one, he just threw out all of my other skills and training. Like that was meaningless <laughs> nonsense. Like whatever you do before is garbage, Yeah, dude. garbage stuff. Now you're a salesman. <laughs> and, um, but the great thing about how the sales has worked out for me is that I do sell travel mm. and that's something that everybody already wants. Like nobody's like, oh, I don't want to travel. Like traveling is the worst, you know, like vacation never, you know, like yeah. everybody's kind of looking to do that. And so that kind of sells itself. So in a way, even though I'm a salesman, I'm more of a hype man slash customer service kind of situation because people come to me and they're like, well, how do I do this thing that I've always wanted to do? Can, is there any way you can take my money and let me go do this thing? And I'm Absolutely. Like, I would love to do that. You know, and so <laughs> it, that's the difference between what I think, like when people hear salesmen and, they, and, and then they think about what I do, I have a much, a much better go of it than I think a lot of people do. Cause I do, I'm in the business of selling vacations. Everybody wants one of those. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So like, when you're going out and you're selling these like vacations and these like travel packages, do you like, do you create the trips or you just have like a, a big list of stuff and you're like, I feel like you want to go to the Grand Canyon. I can tell in your eye that you want to go to a casino. Like, what is that like? So, so now I wish, I wish I could do that because then I would take vacations all over the place wherever I wanted to go. Cause I can <laughs> escort these trips. Yeah. But, but typically what happens is you, you go out and you find a group and you're like, well, here are the things that we offer. Typically we have catalogs and things like that and yeah. flyers that we hand out. But then everybody kind of has you nine times out of 10, they already know what they want to do, mm. which which is super helpful for me because then I can go back and give them exactly what they want mm. and upcharge it and then sell it to them, which, <laughs> you know, which, which works out fantastic. So I think the biggest thing is, is that, you know, depending on the nature of the trip, like because like I said, I work in group travel. And if you're looking at, you know, um, somebody in a church or family reunion or, or a school group. If they're just going to Six Flags for the day, for instance, mm -hmm. it's really easy for somebody to pick up the phone and call Six Flags and be like, I need 50 tickets to Six Flags. Yeah. I've been waiting at the wheel call. You know, that's super simple. Yeah. But like when you give one of these, especially I feel like the teachers, they got so much going on, you know, like especially right now they're doing home learning, school learning and online learning, all this other stuff. And they don't want to do something like a, a four day trip to D.C., which requires getting on and off, and off the bus over and over these different attractions and all this. That it becomes so tedious and so much work for them to do. It's just easier to go to some a group that kind of has the infrastructure to put it together already. Gotcha. And once again, that works out great for me because it, it, you know, every once in a while I'll have a teacher that's like, I don't know, what would you do? And then that's when I'm always like, well, obviously I would take that four day trip to Orlando, you know, because it's 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 easy for me to put together first of all because mm -hmm. just like that six flag trip i was telling you about disney world is like i'd like 40 tickets to disney world these days you know and so it's yeah. real easy and a lot of times like i said i get to escort trips i want to escort so if somebody picks a trip i haven't done or something i haven't done in a while or something that's really interesting 
I can volunteer to then escort that trip, show them around, make sure everything runs smoothly, but I also get a free trip out of it too. <laughs> so, you know, I, like for instance, during, during the pandemic, I took a five day trip down to Orlando, spent three days at Disney, two days at Orlando, brought my ex-wife to help watch my son, brought my son. And we had like a family vacation for like a week. It cost <laughs> me $300 out of pocket for the whole thing. Wow. And that was just the tickets for my son and my ex yeah. because the hotels were covered. The mills were covered. Everything else was covered because the group was paying for all of it. Yeah. So I sometimes, and, and I'm right. And I'm riding roller coasters, getting paid to be at Disney <laughs> World, you know? like, that a lot of people can't really say. And so that's one of the reasons why I've stuck around because not only do I get to sell the fun, but I get to, I get to experience a lot of that fun. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That sounds, that's a pretty good perk. You know, they don't pay me to ride roller coasters. <laughs> um, so right. like, a few people can say that you were saying that like, you have to like kind of convince people sometimes, you know, like, like, is there like certain tricks that you have to use? Like say they have a plan, like, Oh man, I want to do this, but like, that's not really feasible. How do you convince them to do something that say is, easier for you to handle like you know a lot of people like man i've always wanted to do this but like let's say they want to go see hamilton but you can't get the tickets it's you have to like um like you have to send them to like a different version of hamilton like an off 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 (laughs) off broadway you know what i mean that's right they get they get the triple x version video cassette yeah yeah just blow it up on the big screen well so so yes sometimes i do have to convince them to do stuff And, and, and and for instance a lot of a lot of schools are like we want to leave at 9 p.m at night and drive to Washington, D.C. and get there at nine o'clock in the morning and then start the touring. <laughs> and like, even though that's something they can definitely do, I have to be like, everyone is going to be miserable. Yeah. Because when, you know, <laughs> driving through the night sounds wonderful, but you are sleeping like on a bus. And the buses are comfortable, but like, it's still a bus. I mean, yeah. the, it's, it's like a recliner that does not even recline all the way back. So you're sitting up mm-hmm. sleeping, which is not the best sleep. And then you get there after a night of, of bad sleep and then you're going to power walk 15 miles. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just not a good idea. And I think the key for, for selling that is, is personal experience. You know, when I first started with the job, they were like, I was gone for like four months straight. Like every trip they could put me on, yeah. they sent me on a trip. And then after I experienced all those things, there were things that I really enjoyed. And there were things that I didn't like. And so I, now I can come back and be like, you know, you're not going to like this. And I know that because I, I did, did it. it and it was the worst. So we're going to have to. <laughs> figure out some way. And then a lot of times people are, they don't really know because they might not have done it. And so they take, they take my advice. And so, and then, and then sometimes like I just recently, I planned a four day trip to Asheville, uh, North Carolina. Asheville is a pretty cool spot. Great artist hub or whatever. Nothing to do there for four days though. If (laughs) if you're not camping in the mountains or whatever, you're going to, you're going to you know burn through it real quick. So then I'm out there just kind of figuring out, like going to research, like what's nearby, like what can we do? And it's like, you're going to do the art stuff and then you're going to do a rope course in the mountains and then you're going to hike in the mountains and then you're going to go to pigeon where you're going to also hike in the mountains. So it's kind of a, you know, a walking thing, but I have to kind of do that. And then when I tell people about it, even you have to fake it until you make it. Like, so if it's something I haven't done, I still have to sound so knowledgeable and trustworthy about it because I'm fixing to take yourself and 50 of your closest friends on this thing that you have to trust that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm, I, you know, part of being a salesman in a way is being kind of a practice liar, which, you know, don't tell people you're trying to date that, but like, you know, <laughs> people are like, can you lie straight to my face? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with, a, with no problem, which is not great, but sometimes that does help people to get the experience that I think that they want, even if they don't realize that, that they want it yet. Yeah. Well, so you're in a special case where you're selling something that a lot of people want, but how do you sell something? How do you sell your particular brand to um, people who are like not interested? Like, is there like, <laughs> like you know, like I ain't trying to, I ain't, I could get, I could drive my car because here's the thing: is like 
The reason why you pay extra to do uh, one of these types of tours is because of the convenience and you guys handle a lot of things. And so the price is higher. And so if you come to me and you're like, well, you know, I could send you to like Nashville for this, this and this. And I could look at plane tickets and everything. I'd be like, well, I can do it for half the price. So how do you right. convince those people, well, those naysayers? Let me, let, let me sell you on a trip, sir. <laughs> Please. Uh, so, Actually, one so, of, that's so one of my things. <laughs> one, you can't actually do it cheaper. Yeah. So that's the thing, because like, let's let's say you're going to get a hotel somewhere, going to Orlando yourself. You go get a hotel. You're paying two hundred fifty dollars a night because you're booking one room for X amount of days. Mm -hmm. When I call a hotel, I'm getting twenty five rooms. So they're going to give me a much discounted rate. Let's say you're going to Disney World or Universal or any of those parks out there. Well, you're buying tickets for a family of four or five or something like that. You're bringing your, your crew. I'm calling and saying, I need 56 tickets. Cut me a deal. So now here's how here's the rub. If it's just you, just you on a, on a bus, you mm. jump on the bus, you go on a trip. There is I dare you to think you can find it cheaper. But here's <laughs> the problem. When you start bringing four or five people, like let's say I send you this great package to Orlando and it costs you $7.99 for a week doing the thing. Yeah. Well, like $7.99, then you're like, okay, well, I probably couldn't do that by myself cheaper. But the problem becomes like, what if you're bringing yourself and your spouse and your three kids? Yeah. So then you're talking about $800 a piece for five people. And then you're like, holy crap, I could definitely <laughs> do this cheaper on my own. So that, so that is the, 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 that, that is, it, it, it's harder to sell that. But then you also have to say like, one, you find destinations that are farther out that people don't want to drive to. Them, yeah. Right. Like a six hour drive to Orlando or something you can do, but you don't really want to yes. do it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, you would much rather sit there and play on Netflix and just show up at the park. So yeah. that's one of the things. And try to explain to them that, like, especially if you're doing a group thing, even if it's Six Flags, for instance, because that's super easy for an individual to do, even Disney. But, like, let's say you get on the bus and you get there and you're the group leader of, of your family reunion or your, your baseball team or any of those things. You get there and then something goes wrong. Everybody's going to turn and look at you. You did this <laughs> wrong. And, and how do you fix it? But if I'm there... Not only am I there and I plan this whole thing out, but you can, even you, the group leader, can turn to look at me and say, hey, Stephen, fix this. Fix you, it. You promised this. Okay. Through. And, and I have the company credit card in my back pocket. Uh-huh. And there are so few problems I cannot solve with the company credit card. Yeah. So, it's, you know, that kind of gives the, it takes the liability off of the group leader and then puts it on somebody else. And if the bus breaks down, like anything bad that happens. Here, here's what I found out about people, especially especially when it has things on the Internet, people that are happy. They're out doing happy stuff. They're mm. having a good time. They're living the dream. <laughs> People who are not happy, they're on the internet bitching. So you have to be really <laughs> careful about those things because because ultimately you don't want everybody mad at you and going to Twitter and blasting you for what happened. Yeah, you yeah. Must rather have it blast somebody else and then them take care of it, including you know refunds and things like that. You know, we have as a company, we have money that if something goes horribly wrong, we can even give money back. Gotcha. But like, you can't do that. Once Disney's got your money, they're not giving it back. No, so no, yeah, they're not. That mouse is keeping it. <laughs> yeah, it's especially nowadays because everybody's trying to recoup their losses from the last two years. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, okay. So that actually, that actually answered one of my questions. One of my thing was for you to sell me on the trip. But you know what? The, the aspect of having someone else that I could point a finger at already sold it you know what i mean because there's nothing worse than going somewhere and something happens and you're like holy crap like a, a buddy of mine he went on a trip he was finally like he planned it all out and he went up he's a mountain biker and he went up 
up north Georgia and he goes down a trail and he gets a flat tire. And who has to fix that flat tire? Him. And then he has yep. to go pay. He has to get all new tires and he spends all this money. And now he's out, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars on top of the stuff he's already paid. And he was just like, it almost ruined my entire trip. But if I'm on a bus and then we get a flat tire, I can be like, <clears throat> Stephen, uh, uh, what do you got to do right. about this? <laughs> You promised me a bicycle with two, yeah. two working tires, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one working tire. Yeah. And then I get a cell phone. And then while they're out having fun, I'm in the background being like, oh, I got to find a tire place. And so there is a little bit of that, too. That, that And like I said, going someplace that's a little too far away, like if you wanted to go to Chicago or if you wanted to go to New York City, yeah. man, is it nice to just bring you a Kindle and read your audiobook and not have to look at the road mm. or take a nap when you want to and and have people drive for you. Like, I know that's, that it sounds so bougie, but like these these folks that drive these buses have been driving these buses, some of them for longer than I've been alive. And so yeah. like when we get to those big cities, like if you're going to New York City, you can get lost. But yeah. these guys they drive there all every year. You know what I mean? So they're they're used to it, too. So I, I think that's something that helps. Yeah. Um, like I said I don't do too many individual trips. And but like for groups, it's especially if it's a group of students or a group of like one or two people together, like I could run a couple's trip, for instance, mm-hmm. and those two people would save money. But if, like I said, if you're bringing a family of 10, yeah, go ahead and do that on your own. Rent yourself a little van from, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the little car shop or whatever, CarMax, and then and do that. Because, yeah, af- after you pay the markup and the profit, because you have to have profit yeah, of to make the money to pay everybody. So once you mark it all up, eventually, yeah, you can definitely do it for your own or cheaper. But if it's just you and a friend just wanting to go on an adventure, I got you, man. And, <laughs> and we'll set it up put you on the bus with other people looking for the same adventure and then you, you go you go and have fun there you go see and you were saying you were a salesman you could lie to people's faces but that was actually pretty honest of you right there mr salesman i appreciate that <laughs> that's the great practice liar is that you'll never know <laughs> well speaking of all these clients how do you find more clients are you just like going and knocking on church doors and shaking down like schools and stuff like that just showing up unannounced <laughs> So back in the, in the year of our Lord BC, and by that I mean before COVID. Yeah. Uh, yes, I would do exactly that. I would get up in the day, and so what I what I do is, is for all you salesmen out there that need to learn how to to get good, uh, I would go and research a county in in the state of Georgia, the great state of Georgia, and I would look up on Yelp and find out all their five star rated churches, and or I'd go and look for all their schools, and I would go into Google Maps and just make a a county map for every church and every school and every organization every nursing home, senior center, et cetera. And then that's what I would do is I'd get up, I'd leave my house at seven o'clock in the morning and knock on them doors. <laughs> but that all changed in the last couple of years because they won't like the school systems will not let you in. I tried just a couple of months ago and they, they had like just ratty cardboard boxes that were weather worn from sitting outside in the rain. And it was like, if you're dropping off something, drop it off here. <laughs> and before I could go in and like hand a catalog to somebody and talk to a secretary and look around the corner and see if I saw a principal or something and mm-hmm. maybe tell a joke enough to draw somebody over to get some attention but now it's like put your catalog in this box and wander away huh. i'm like that catalog don't tell them where that thing's gonna go that's gonna go in the shred box as soon as it gets in the building so that's a little tricky and of course now you know churches are a little better now because we're in georgia and and you know we're the first ones to like just keep on running with it yeah. you know we're like yeah COVID, whether you believe it's real or not we have decided that we're done with pretending it's real so um <laughs> That being said, some of that's a little better, but it, it's a lot of it's a lot of knocking on doors. But here's another thing too: it's hard to do that sometimes too because, like, I feel like groups groups know when they need a charter bus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not going to show up to a group and be like, you know what, you need to move your group of 50 people. Is a bus big enough to move 50 people? You yeah. know, like, <laughs> no duh, they know this. 
So most of the time, no matter how many times I've handed out flyers, knocked on doors, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of times they end up reaching right back out to me. And it's when they reach out to me later and they're like, hey, we got your flyer, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think you could do something like this? And then like it, it, my, my job in a way is to like keep the funnel full. So as it narrows down, I'm selling trips kind of at the bottom of the funnel. You know, my job is to make all the fruit low hanging fruit. Mm. But ultimately, they have to reach out to me to say, hey, we're, we're at, we saw this. We like this. We really want to do this. And then that's kind of when I start, a, you know, like a brand new sales pitch just for them. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. So so now you've sold an entire church load of uh, little old ladies to, to go to somewhere crazy. Right. Yeah, so now you man. now you get to escort. Yeah. What is your job as an escort? Is it just the problem solver like we discussed before? Well, so I feel like the escort is is one of many things. I, ultimately, I, it is it is a problem solving thing. The escort's job is to stay like a chess game, like three or four steps ahead, mm. so that you can solve problems and see problems coming in advance. Like one time, I had this. I took a group to D.C. for instance, and we were going to this one Italian restaurant for a group dinner. And the thing about senior citizens is, approximately one third of them will will hate everything maybe not the same maybe not the same thing they hate but one third of them they're gonna have problems with something so so we get we get back on the bus and they're like my chicken parmesan was cold right like which is unacceptable like you don't want cold chicken parm i mean that just is what it is yeah but like so they're, they're really complaining about this restaurant so the next day i get up and i call the dinner because we're having dinner multiple days so i call up the guy and i'm like look this better be a one in ten year dining experience these people had cold chicken parm yesterday and they just need they need a good meal. And the guy's like, oh, don't you worry, Mr. Purvis. We got this. It won't be a problem. Good. And I'm like, and this was like early in the morning because I was like calling as soon as I opened. Yeah. So then at about 2 p.m., I give them a call back and I'm like, are we still set? It's one in 10 years. You ready? Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, not a problem. Then I call back at about four o'clock because we're about an hour out. And I'm like, you ready? And they're like, well, <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what? like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, this morning the AC unit went out and we were hoping to have it repaired this whole day. But it's about 97 degrees in the restaurant right oh, now. Oh, God. And so I'm like, well, okay. Well, good thing I have this hour of notice on a Sunday in Washington, D.C. to find a place that's going to seat 50 people. Because believe it or not, not every restaurant holds 50 people. And a lot of them, even if they did, they're not willing to turn away all of their crowd that's going to be tipping and buying drinks. You know what I mean? And like they're going to make serious money off of 50 individual people, but mm -hmm. not nearly as much. Off group. So then. I'm getting these like old ladies too, like 80s, 85, herding them onto a, a, a riverboat so they can take a tour of the Potomac River. And the whole time I'm doing that, I'm on the phone on my other hand trying to find a place to, to get them food. And it just so happened that, you know, I think it also depends on the tour escort too, because I, I, I find myself somewhat of a problem solver. And 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 we'll, we'll talk about some of the reasons why a little later on, I think. But if, if you're not a problem solver, if you're not somebody who can think fast and get on the phone and my Google foo is insanely strong um, <laughs> and just because it, sometimes it has to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. I need to know opening times and closing times and phone numbers and Google maps and things like that. Um, because, because ultimately you got to make sure things happen. But that, that also being said, the tour director's other job is you reflect the mood of the tour, mm. right? So I'm, I'm get on the bus and I've got the microphone and I'm like, good morning, elementary school. Are you guys ready to go to Disney World? You know, and, and like, you know, but if I got on the bus and I was like, good morning, you guys sit there. We'll see you in six hours. Or, you know, <laughs> they just hold the trip because I'm the person with the microphone and I'm sharing this excitement, and even though they may be excited. Like, so like, let's say for instance, you're with a group and like, there's a parent that has a bad experience or whatever. I fed her a hamburger, even though kids like hamburgers and she decided to come along knowing we were having hamburgers that night, but she didn't like that hamburger. So she's going to sit at the back with the other parents and be like, you know, 
I didn't like that hamburger. And now that I think of it, I'm not really sure this trip's worth the 589. I feel like they could have <laughs> given a little cheaper. And they'll spread that negativity amongst themselves. And, and once that starts spreading, that other person will sit there and self-reflect. They'll be like, am I having $600 worth of a good time? Right <laughs> like, this is, this is always no. Like, you're never having $600 worth of a good time at any given moment. You got to look at the big picture. But, like, if that attitude starts creeping up or if, like, if something if something goes wrong, like, if, if we go to a restaurant and that restaurant wait, makes us wait 20 extra minutes to go in because they're super busy, mm. and I get on the mic and I'm like, well, just like the last three lackluster places we visited, <laughs> we're going to be out here on this bus for another 30 minutes in the sun. So go ahead and pull out your phones and start writing your memoirs in case you die before we get in there. <laughs> like, it takes the whole mood of the trip down. But yeah. like, So you kind of have to be a hype man, especially if you're the salesperson, which I am for all the trips I escort. Like, you got to make it, even if you're not giving them exactly what they bought, if things change along the way, you got to be hyping it up. Like what they're getting is even better. Yeah. Oh man, we work to go do this. But if you think about it, this is even more cool. And I'm so excited. <laughs> how different and that, that attitude that you bring will make or break a trip, you know, mm. because somebody said one third of a group is always going to have something to complain about because that's kind of the nature of humanity, I think. But if you let that fester, it will creep out amongst everybody else. So your job is to keep, Keep the fun alive. If the tour director's having a great time on a trip, the chances are pretty good everybody else is having a great time on the trip. If, <laughs> if the tour director, you know, everybody else is like, well, he's not even having fun and he sold this trip, you know, and like <laughs> you can directly impact it there. Um, and, and, and your also job is your job is to be the liaison between the bus driver and the group and the attractions and the company that's selling the trip. Like I, I have people, even though I'm on the phone the whole time, I have people back at the office. That are like my guy in the chair, you know, like I'm doing this. I'm fixing to walk into a place and I'm going to lose service. But this place just canceled on us. Can you find something else? For instance, um, I was in New York City on March 12th, 2019. I uh, no, March 12th, 2020. Uh, when when coronavirus first hit, I'm standing in front of the Wall Street Stock Exchange expecting to see people in suits throw themselves out of upper windows because <laughs> the, the whole country is shutting down. Uh, and so I'm getting all these phone calls of people canceling. And then not only that, but I'm on a tour. So like we're supposed to go up the Rockefeller Center and the Rockefeller Center is like, we're closed. It's done. Oh, or, like, my God. We're supposed to go to a Broadway show. And the Broadway show is like, we're canceled. It's done. And I got this group there and, you know, and to keep them from wanting all their money back and also to keep them from having a bad time because neither that we didn't put the coronavirus out there. Uh, I had to call up people and be like, can you see if you can switch reservations? Can we get can we get a tour of something else? Is there anything open? And I had a, a lady that works in Savannah who her, her job is my reservation. She was out there looking for me. So keeping her in the loop, her keeping me in the loop, me keeping the group in the loop. It, it's like I said, it's a it's a real ch- it's an adventure is what it is. It's, it's a challenge, <laughs> but it's, it's such a fun. Yeah. I, I, when people ask me what I do for a living, I tell them I'm a professional adventurer. And I have I have a satchel that I wear like Indiana Jones uh, whenever I'm on adventures because I always feel like, you know, no telling. The great thing about travel is that there's always the unexpected. You can't plan for it. It's out there waiting. And you need a certain kind of somebody, a hype guy. uh, I'm thinking of the movie, a satyr, but wiser. But you need you need that somebody out there who's going to be able to turn it into something positive and and make it work. and, that, and that's that's part of that's part of what I do as a person. And, and when I try to get my, my escorts, when I hire an escort, uh, and I know it sounds weird to hear me about hiring escorts, when I when I pick up a tour director, you know, you know uh, when I pick up a tour director to do the thing, I have to explain that to them too. Like, 
don't get on the bus and just sit there and take naps and use your phone the whole time. You know, you've got to interact. I, yeah. so I, it, I, I bring jokes. One time it was, it was Abraham Lincoln's birthday and I got on the bus with an extended top hat and a fake beard on and gave out chocolate covered pennies, <laughs> you know, because find ways to, to, to tie it all in and make it fun for people. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of what I do is I'm kind of the hype man for my own sales. Yeah. Kit. That sounds, that sounds super awesome. Like most people don't get to, like I said, do some of the stuff that you get to do on like a, a semi-regular basis, you know, except for COVID, you know, you've been all over the place. Is there like any, uh, <laughs> so you're going, you go to these places all the time. You go everywhere you need to go. Is there like a place you just hate going? Is there something you're just like, Oh my God. It's like, is it like Disney world? Are you sick and tired of Disney world? Are you sick and tired of some like museum? Yes and no. See, you you would be amazed. People are like, oh man, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going now? We're going to Disney World. But here's the thing about the Magic Kingdom: you go about seven times in one spring, <laughs> the magic goes away. Yeah, because it's kids that are going, they're super excited to be there. But like, you're like, oh man, I've got to be in this park from nine in the morning until eight p.m. again. <laughs> yeah, and like after a while, you're like, my legs hurt. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you know, fifth graders running around having a great time. I'm forty years old. My knees are hurting. I'm wearing my running shoes just so I can make. <laughs> You know what I mean? And so sometimes that can be a real challenge. But the, the things I love and the things I hate are, are, are the, the, the very same ones. Like, for instance, I love going to Washington, D.C. because you just get to see a bunch of really cool monuments and memorials that you just can't see anywhere else. It's super cool. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of hate going to Washington, D.C. because it's so much on the bus, off the bus, on the bus, off the bus, which is a lot more work for a tour director. Mm. If I go to Disney World, I'm like, hey, everybody, welcome to Walt Disney World. Here's the Bye. entrance into the map. <laughs> at 6 p.m. And then they go away. And then I'm like, well, time to go get paid to ride some coasters. And then I and then I go off to go do that. Uh, so so that's super easy to do. But then at the same time, if you do that too many times, then you're like, I've, I, you know, I've ridden the, the Space Mountain like 75 times this spring. And even though it's thrilling, you know, it's just not as thrilling anymore. And so then you're like, I'd much rather not do that. Yeah. But sometimes I get like I've been to, I swam with manatees for the first time. I, I've never snorkeled as like a pastime or anything like that. I swam mm-hmm. with manatees and snorkeled with them. That's uh, cool. so that was exciting. I've swam with dolphins. I swam with sharks. I swam with a lot of weird stuff. I know that's just strange. <laughs> but like I swim with but things like that are like these are unique type things that are really super cool. Uh, another thing I really like to do, one of my favorite things, is I like to fly places. Not because I really want to fly places, but when you take school groups, what I like to do is get on the bus, and we're fixing to go to the, the Hartsfield Airport, and I'm like, raise your hand if you've ever been on an airplane. And there's like a hand that comes up, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a teacher will raise their hand. And then we land at like New York City and LaGuardia, and we get on, we get on the bus, and then I'm like, raise your hand if you've ever been on an airplane. And then everybody's like, <laughs> And I'm like, you get to be there for like some of these life changing moments for some of these people. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember this ever. And I got to be part of that. So anytime I get to do something like that where I know I'm going to blow the minds of, of you know, and, and one of the nice things uh, that I do is most of the people that take these buses are school aged kids and senior citizens. And when you think about it, those are the two groups that really can't really travel on their own so much. Yeah. You know, you got Title One school kids all over the country and all over the state. They've never seen the beach, they've never left their city. They're going to, you know, die in the town they're in right now, which is, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, be mean about it, but it's some, sometimes that's the case. Yeah. And I get to get them out of there. And the same with the senior community. It's like they can't drive on their own. A lot of them are in these senior centers where they don't see their families as much as they like to, you know, and things of that nature. And because of that, um, you know, I feel like I'm giving back to the community in a sort of way. You know yeah. what I mean? It's very inspirational to feel like that I'm taking them a play and giving, giving them something that, you know, maybe they couldn't get otherwise. And even though I'm making money on it, even though the company's making money on it, like I always try to, I try to, in order for me to enjoy my job, I have to, I have to feel good about what I'm doing. 
Yeah. And that is that is how I have justified what I do, you know, to feel good about it. Is I really I really do feel like that we're also a public service in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, that's a cool so. way of looking at it, man. That's a super cool way of looking at it. Cause you know, like, you know, I'm uh <clears throat> I'm thirty one now and I didn't get on a plane till like two years ago. It's something you know, and so like I mean, I was just like one of those kids. I get off like, Yeah, like let's go. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it it is one of the and or like take even somebody that has seen some kid that's never been to the ocean see the ocean for the first time yeah they'll just stand there and stare at it and then they go play it but like it's like it's it's like i get to be part of that yeah so it's it's special to me it's like the whole world is 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 when it comes to these ventures i feel like that they're all my family for a week and i get to take them on this great thing and and i get to be i'm the leader you know what i mean so they're looking to me to know what i'm doing and so I, i lead them on these adventures and i come home and then everybody's so grateful and you know no no one has ever taken a trip well i mean there might be one or two people but most of the time after the trip is over everybody comes home they feel like it was an excellent adventure and it was money well spent and there's no buyer's remorse i have spent money on some things yeah dumb that i was i wish i hadn't did that you know what i mean but like (laughs) these people come back and they're so happy and it's like that makes you feel really good that you're able to give that to somebody that's that's a real gift yeah that's fantastic that's fantastic well besides uh Besides being this modern day tour guide where you go all over the world and bring all these excitement to kids, you also did something that I love talking about. Um, and a lot of people don't know this about me, but it's advertising. I freaking love advertising. I think advertising is like the coolest, smartest thing that it's just like sales. Like what you do when you go to these places is exactly what they've been doing to us our entire lives. And you actually went to school yep. for this. So tell me a little bit about that. So I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, not only have they been doing it to you your entire lives, but I'm gonna tell you how they started at your birth. Uh, <laughs> so, so one of the things about myself, and, and I guess that you can, if you haven't reeled into some of the things I've said already, I've kind of got this mild hero complex about me, <laughs> where I just really like this cartoon, Masters of the Universe, came out in 1983. I was like, it was like just a huge fan of it, like too too big a fan of it, too many toys, too many things, huge fan. And when I got into college, I was I was studying history, and I had told basically this story. Uh, to my girlfriend at the time over and over and over, but I never thought of it as something to really write about or even research about past the, the little things I had known about it. And she brought it up to one of my professors and the professor was a professor. He was marketing history is what he thought. And so he's like, this, this was a, a great thing. And so uh, you should really re- re- read into it more. And so I did. And what I was reading into was it's called the program link commercial. Mm. Okay. And so, yeah, so this, this is going to take some unpacking. So we're going to go back in time. <laughs> So ever since something has been for sale, and I know because I sell stuff, uh, there has been marketing and advertising for that thing. Yeah. Okay. And so over the course of time, there have been governmental regulations on the way you can advertise to people, you know, like the, the, how how it can be done so that it's kind of safe. And one of the one of the most precious commodities anywhere on the planet Earth is our sweet little solid gold baby children. Mm-hmm. Right. We got to protect the children at all costs. And so as 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 you know, newspaper and magazines turned into radios, kids got more involved in it because even though they may have had the funny papers or something like that growing up, like kids, kids who are so young, they can't read a newspaper. Yeah. They can't read a novel. Right. So so they're, they're not necessarily being advertised that way. But with the advent of radio, commercials started being on the radio and there were things that were, you know, things that were going out to kids. And then especially with television, it became a big thing where people were advertising products to children. So the FCC uh stepped in and basically they were like when they did a whole bunch of research back in the 50s and 60s about mm-hmm. kids mental development and how they see advertising and the truth of the matter is until a, until a child is about 11 or 12 
they don't know they're being advertised to at all. <laughs> like, they, they see a commercial for Captain Crunch sailing on his ship, eating his crunch berries, yeah. and they don't know, hey, they're trying to sell me cereal. They think they're watching a little cartoon about this guy that just happens to be really into cereal. You know, and, <laughs> and they to the store and they see those images that that advertising is going to trigger a response in, in, in their head, right? So, so that kind of sets sets the stage for what's about to happen. So in, in, in 1980, uh, Ronald Reagan won uh, the election for the president, became president in 1981. Mm. And one of the things he did in 1983 was he, you know, not to get political, but one of the kind of the, the big points of, of kind of the, the, the Reagan administration was deregulation of things, right? Deregulation mm. of business creates more business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he deregulated the FCC completely. <laughs> and he was basically of the opinion that the parents will know what to show their kids. Okay. So now uh, up until this point in time, there have been toy companies, right? They're out there. You can go buy toys and there have been cartoons, right? And you could go watch Hanna-Barbera. You could go see Fred Flintstone, right? He's out there. Mm. And then you could go buy a Fred Flintstone lunchbox, for instance. But you, but you, you could also go to the toy section and get like a matchbox car or a Hot Wheels. Yeah. But those Hot Wheels were toys, but it was illegal for them to make a cartoon based on that toy property because of the SEC re- regulations that were basically saying you are going to just make a program link commercial for your toy. And these <laughs> kids do not know that they are being advertised to. Yeah. So you, if, if hell comes out there and they're like, Oh yeah, hot wheels, the cartoon baby loving my hot wheels. Then the kid's going to watch that. And the next time he's at Walmart, you better believe he's going to want some hot wheels because <laughs> that's his favorite cartoon. Yeah. So that it's also a ploy to get you to buy hot wheels. Well, they tried that. Mattel tried it, and the government shut them down. And mm. then when they were deregulated in 1983, the first person on board again was Mattel. Because mm. Mattel has been wanting to do this for, like, ages. Oh, yeah. Get that money in. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, money, money, money. So, so, so <laughs> not that they're being greedy. It's, it's shrewd business sense yeah. at this point. You know, they know what technology is available. So what happens is, is they've got this toy property, and, and they reach out to this cartoon, the, la- the last American animation studio uh, that exists other than Disney. Every, every other animation studio had been outsourced at this point. So they go to this company called Filmation and they talk to this guy, Lou Scheimer, and they're like, look, this deregulation's coming down the pipe. We've got this toy line that we released in 1981. We want you to do a syndicated cartoon show. Now, this is something that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you go, if you go watch Bugs Bunny, you would come on on Saturday mornings and you would get your Bugs Bunny fix. And then once that was all said and done, you didn't see Bugs Bunny until next Saturday. Yeah. Mattel was like, we want to run this right after school. Five days a week. We want those kids coming home and turning on the TV and seeing a brand new episode of our new toy product over and over. And so what happened was, of course, Filmation was like, this is an this is an incredible opportunity for us because we're going to have to churn out 130 episodes in two years of this cartoon <laughs> show. It had never been done before. So scrambling to get done, they were hiring Disney animators and just bringing all kinds of stuff in and finding ways to recycle animation. Long story short, they managed to produce this cartoon show E-Man and the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> and it went big time. And so they went from making like $8 million a year on toys to like $54 million a year yeah. on toys. That's 80s millions, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Berserk. But they weren't alone because the foot, the, the blueprints, like all geek culture, all the stuff that we love right now, yeah. geek culture, kind of started at the same time. There was another guy, George Lucas. I'm sure you've heard of him. No, no I don't know. Maybe he's familiar. I don't know. <laughs> he made a little movie called Star Wars. Uh-huh. And the way George Lucas got rich wasn't really from the movie Star Wars. It was his licensing. 
Mm. Batman put Luke Skywalker on every pair of socks, bicycles, flashlights, <laughs> roller skates. You know, like he had that stuff everywhere and it worked and he made lots and lots of money doing that. So not only did Mattel get this program link commercial on, but then through the licensing, they put He-Man on my curtains. They put He-Man on my bed sheets. They put He-Man on my <laughs> little, you know, the little eye, eye thing where you click to the side and yeah. move the images around, you know, like all that stuff. They put it on everything. And so what that did is that told the toy industry, nothing will ever be the same. Mm. So, so that was a paradigm shift. All the, like you ever heard of Transformers? Absolutely. <laughs> that was a Hasbro toy that they paid to make that cartoon to sell toys. You know, you know the big GI Joes. Yeah. Uh, forget them. You remember the little GI Joes? Yeah. That was a cartoon based on those little toys because like all those little toys came first. And so what that did was it changed things so that a, a couple of different ways is one there will never be a cartoon that comes out again, maybe something on Adult Swim or something like that, you know, some obscure cartoon, but every major cartoon is going to come with video games. It's going to come with toy tie-ins. It's going to come with licensing. It's going to be printed on t-shirts. It's going to do all that. And the reasons, and it's planned that way. So like they started doing it. And not only that, but they start doing it younger and younger. I don't know. I don't know if you're around kids, but you ever heard of uh, things like bubble guppies and things of that nature? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so now not only are their tie-ins are like, or like Paw Patrol, there's Paw Patrol toys all over the place. Oh, there's yeah. like six Paw Patrol video games right now. There are more Paw Patrol video games than there are Uncharted video yeah. games. And, you know, like because of that, there is no age at this point in time where we're not, not only are we being advertised to, but it is a direct and specific advertising campaign that begins the moment you're capable of seeing. And that's another thing that's changed in, 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 in the culture is that now we are the second generation of those who have been thoroughly advertised to this way. Yeah. So now when our kids are born, like my son knows who He-Man is, yeah. I can assure you. You know, and <laughs> the thing is, it's like I took that very same property that I was ingrained with, and, and, and you can choose any of them. I, you know, there's some people that were Ninja Turtle fans or some that were Transformers or some that were Thundercats. Thundercats, LGN, that's another program link commercial. Yeah. But they were all great shows. I remember watching them really fondly. And, and I'm going to talk about this here in a second. But but the point is, is like now they're advertising to us from the time we're born until the time we're old enough to have our own kids so they can reboot the cycle mm -hmm. and get us re-advertising to our kids again so that now we don't have um, – I don't want to say we don't have imaginations. That sounds horrible. I, love, I hate <laughs> But there was a time in our youth where we had – like when I had my first He-Man toys before the cartoon came out, if I wanted them to do anything, I had to play with them. Yeah. You know? And now it's like, I don't have to do anything. I just hold them and stare at the box. You know what I mean? And then and then that does it for me. And then the next generation gets a new version of the toy with a new version of a cartoon with a new tie-in campaign. And then they get to stare at the box to the point where now kids kids don't even care about toys anymore. My, my child is seven. And it, I have to beg him to play He-Man toys with me. And maybe that speaks more to me than him. But he would much rather just watch people on YouTube unboxing different toys and things like that. So it's getting to the point now where all the things that we used to play with that made us creative, like I had Hot Wheels, but I didn't have a cartoon. So I went outside and just figured out a way to make it work, you know, going to dirt hills and carving little dirt tracks. And, yeah. playing with it. and nowadays they've got tablets from an early age that have the same properties, but now they're all digital. And I think it has changed the way we all consume everything because the way it ties in now and, and it has affected us in ways that, that we don't even know. But one of the things I did want to give a little bit of credit for is part of what my research was about is, you know, do those cartoons have a right to exist anyway? Mm. Right. 
because like I loved Thundercats. It, I loved it. It was almost like the first serial cartoon I ever saw. Like you see the first episode of Thundercats and then at the end, it's like doesn't really end the story. The next episode, it continues. The next episode, like yeah. it was a bingeable show. The first two seasons of Thundercats mm-hmm. was bingeable. And so it was a very good show in my in my humble opinion for all you Thundercats haters out there. <laughs> but but it was a good show. So part of what I was what I tried to argue in my paper was like sometimes the creativity and the story writing that created these shows they still have a right to exist on their own merits whether or not they were programmed with commercials or not. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I love Master Universe is because the show was about a family. Yeah. And I grew up in a home I had a family. Sometimes we were closer and sometimes we were not so close. Mm-hmm. But the show, the show and the writing with Master Universe, they were always in this family together. They were always coming through together. They clearly loved each other. They were there working through the troubles of, you know, the evil psychopath trying to take over Grace School. But they were, they were that really appealed to me, this family aspect, like Orko being the little brother and, and Tila and uh, He-Man kind of being siblings and Man at Arms being like the, the kind and nurturing uncle and the king and, king and queen being adoptive parents to all those different Motley crews. Like that really appealed to me. And that wasn't in the toy line didn't sell me on that. Yeah. You know, the, the many comics that came with the initial toy line didn't sell me on that. That was the cartoon that sold me on that and really helped me as a person develop my hero complex. And it led to all things sci-fi fantasy. Universe, <laughs> you know, fantasy. They were flying around in jets in space. You know, it was like if you like Star Wars or Superman or any of those things like Master Universe was your jam. And so it's, it's to no surprise that I've, you know, watched Star Wars and play D&D and all these things later in life, because that's how it's how thorough the advertising got to me. Mm. But at the same time, it's like I think that those stories have a right to exist in and of themselves because the writers of those stories were writing them in good faith. Now, yes, they were deliberately instructed that they had to write this new wave of toys into their story. Oh, absolutely. Got to make that money. (laughs) Yeah. I got to get the money because otherwise if I see a new cartoon character and like, here's a funny adage. So Orko, you know, Orko in the universe, Orko was invented by filmation, Mm. but they still made the toy. For instance, I'm holding it up right now because I always have it in front of me, which is, you know, you can't see this on the radio, but no, I'm holding a vintage Orko. And on the bottom, instead of saying copyright Mattel, it says copyright filmation. Mm. So not only did it help toy companies sell toys, but it also helped cartoon companies create new toys that then they can have the toy company make so that they can make a little cut of the profit as well. So there was a lot of new back scratching going on and i don't want to say that i'm not saying there was necessarily a victim but there certainly was people that benefited it was and it was corporations and the long-term effects because you got to think this has only been happening for 60 years max yeah Yeah. really know the long implications of this yet but what we can know is that it's not changing yeah like you you know next harry potter movie when it comes out you best believe there'll be a way oh yeah the Harry Potter game. Uh, the same with all that stuff. You know, like there's nothing that's going to come out on one or the other. And you know, I think now that Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars, oh, it's over. I mean, <laughs> it's over. It's game I mean, we're talking about they're, they're the Wayani Corporation, just waiting. <laughs> you know, for all you guys out there. Um, but, but uh, I don't feel like there's a victim, like really, because like you know, yes, these things were made to sell the thing. But also, if the the world and the story is good enough, there's things that are in these movies that like, oh my god, that's so cool! I want that. How cool would it be, like for Harry Potter, for example? How cool would it be to have a, a wand that looks just like the one that they had? You know, and that's just something cool. Like it doesn't do anything for me. It, I have several. It doesn't do anything for me, but it's really cool to have that piece of movie memorabilia or show memorabilia and something like that and it's just always really enjoyed like how that like 
you can embrace a fandom even more so now. And and it's not just the cartoons. I mean, Lord, like one of my favorite movies is Lord of the Rings. And I would literally buy yep. anything that has Lord of the Rings on it because I was yep. so like engulfed in that, not only reading the books as a kid, but then as the movies have still continually cycled to come out every so often, they'll put out another one. And I'm stoked. I'm like, let's go see the elves fight. Let's go, you know, because yep. that's what I'm here for. And I would gladly pay the money to get other things because that's what I what I like. So I don't know if there's like a victim, like with these kids cartoons, um, you know, they, with transformers every week, they would put out another, another Autobot or another Decepticon and just like, and the next, Oh, guess what? Guess what's in the new toys R us. You know, it's that well, new well, one. Here's, here's, here's the thing that, that, that there's that I, 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 two things. Let me unpack a little bit. So sure. first of all, I agree that the statuettes mean everything. Like every time my girlfriend comes over, she's like, do you need four <laughs> different versions of he man? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, Yes. And, and she doesn't like bring, I, I, we were walking through Target together mm. and I look up on and I have to go to the toy section every time I go to any store because it's just who I am. I can't myself. But I see from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 oh, come on. I can't think of the guy's name. Not Alan Grant. Who was John? John uh, the, the, who was the, who created the park? Do you remember his name? Off the top of your oh, head? Lord. The guy in the white suit, spare no expense, white beard. Hat, yeah, I know John, what you're talking John about. Hammond? Yeah. John Hammond, I yes. think was his name. So I see this, this John Hammond action figure up on the wall and he looks good yeah and i'm like oh man 1997 for this john hammond action figure i gotta get that and she's like why would you even want that and i'm like this action figure if on a shelf is an entire cautionary tale in itself you know yeah. what i mean so it's not it's like like it's not just so much that i'm collecting garbage but mm. like when i put he-man up on the shelf anytime i'm down i can look up with that and then I see that family and I see the self-sacrificial nature of having to put yourself on the outs to still do good in yeah. spite of potentially hurting your family. So so they become stories. This is like the Lord of the Rings stuff. It is much more than just the story of Lord of the Rings. I, it reminds you that like, you know, it, one of those things Gandalf said, it's like it's what you do with the time you have. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it really it still resonates. And if those stories resonate to you, it's almost like. You know, for instance, I go to her house and I'm like, why do you have the Eiffel Tower all over your dang house? You don't live in France. You know what I mean? And so, like, I think everybody has those decorative things that they like. Mm. But like, and it's, it's the sim it's the symbolism that we put into it. I think it yes. makes it so, so good. So everybody wins. Like I was I was Xenophilius, love good for Halloween. And I had to go get a wig and a wand and all this other good stuff <laughs> just for, because it is what it is. And now now I'll forever treasure that because it's tied to my own personal yeah. as well. So I think. I think I, I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head of that. There are no clear losers, but I also want to point out that like I love how much geek culture has expanded because of it. Yes, uh, like there was a time, uh, and this is for the ladies out there, uh, since you know we're two guys talking about you know toys. Uh, <laughs> I, there was there was a time when you couldn't go get geek culture merchandise in the ladies section of the box store. Yeah, you know what I mean. And now they can get a Star Wars shirt if they wanted. They can get a Harry Potter shirt if they wanted. They can get you know all of these things over there as well because it's become more mainstream. People mm -hmm. have kind of come out of the geek closet, so to speak. You yeah. know, and they're okay embracing their own fandoms. And it has really changed. Like I would never, I would never go back to where we didn't have these things. Yeah. You know, which is probably why you know I am who I am today because. It, it, but but learning about it was definitely interesting because those people were not interested in whether or not I was happy with my symbolism. They wanted the bottom line. Yeah. And they got it. But now, <laughs> like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything. I love collecting the stuff. I oh yeah, it's super cool. And like with the like when even when I was in school, um, you know, like if you liked a certain thing. Like, you would get chastised for it. Like, oh, is that what you spend your time doing? This, this, and this? It's just like, well, I mean, you know. And now, now, like, it's cool to like superheroes. Now, it's the biggest movie on the freaking planet is to watch all these superhero movies. But you were a 
kid, you were that weird kid um, in high school reading if comic books. You tried books. to bring up Iron Man or Tony Stark when yeah. you were in fifth grade. You sucked. Yeah. But now it's like you don't know who Tony Stark is. You're just not even part of. Where have you yeah, been? Where have you it's been? <laughs> Maker, like, and, and to be honest, now is now is the greatest time to be alive. However, like I, I said before, as a salesperson, it sells travel. It's not been a very profitable last two years for me. But like, I walk in, I, I go. Spider Man is coming coming out on theaters today no yeah. i'm not trying to plug it but it's out today and <laughs> ghostbusters just came out a couple of weeks ago when i go to walmart there there are literally three different he-man cartoon stuff being sold on the shows there's master universe origins the master universe revelations there's a new master universe on netflix yeah so like what a time to be alive <laughs> i know the toy companies know this because they're monitoring me and buying my data on facebook so of they course. know what i'm into but they, they're getting it out there because now i can share all those things that meant so much to me with my kids and yep. I think that, I mean, even though I think that's planned and I think that it keeps us from coming up with anything new because they could always just recycle it generation after generation. I do think that now is now is the best time for me to be alive because all the things I really like are now OK to like. Yeah. And now, now I'm a cool guy because I know so much. You yeah. want to know about the original carnage? Let me tell you about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody would have wanted to see that back in the day, you know, but now people are like, oh, really? Tell me more. Yeah. I go to comics sometime and I run into this kid. Who's there? Because I go there just to peruse the toy section, not really buy comics anymore. I get those digitally. But he's always asking me, he's like, who would win this superhero versus this superhero? And then I'd try to break it down for him to the best of my ability, you know, just because he, he just loves doing that. He used to draw me pictures of the <laughs> fights after. I got like a couple of drawings, like little kid drawings. Yeah. But like kid, nobody would have known what those were back in the day. Yeah. But now he's like, he's really interested in my Iron Man versus Batman take. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Iron Man, though. But my point is, is like, it's still. It's still fascinating, uh, you know, to, to have that part of the, our world today. I think yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. No, it's super cool. And actually, um, this is something, um, and then we'll move on to something. I just, I was having this conversation with one of my, uh, one of my guys at work and, um, it's, so we were talking about how with the, um, when we were kids, we'd have these same cartoons and stuff like that. But another thing that we shared was commercials. So I freaking love commercials. I think about commercials all the time, but nowadays we are at this, like, so everything's everywhere. We all have our um we all have our phones, we all have everything and we can spend our entire lives and we can be into our one niche thing and never experience the same thing. But people that are like more close to our age, I can bring up something like Cat Dog. I can bring up something like He-Man. I can bring up something like, you know, and you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll know the theme song and stuff like that. Now if I go to like my nephews, um I have no idea what they're even watching on the internet. And not that that's a bad thing, but it's it's weird how things have changed so much like um, I can, I can make a joke about, oh, you know, like, where's the beef? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I right, said that to, right, a, right. I said that to oh, someone who's 20 and they look at me like I'm insane and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I was going to go kill myself because I'm old now, but they don't know. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And I think that really is, it, it's like soon you're going to be complaining about that loud music those kids are playing. Right. <laughs> they, 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 and, and that's another thing to point out too, you know, when we were kids. Yeah, sure. With He-Man, we had the afternoon we could go home and watch cartoons in the afternoon. And then later on, you know, the Batman animated series and X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. We, we really grew up in the best time for everything. <laughs> uh, but like before then, it was like you were watching Saturday morning cartoons mm -hmm. and then they'd go off the air and that'd be it. And yeah. nowadays we got 24-hour cartoon networks and 24-hour Nickelodeon networks and not to mention the internet and YouTube. Yeah. It's like there are car there there are adver advertising shows cartoons the whole spiel being out there pushed at all times i remember when i was growing up there came a point in time when the tv would just go off they would play the <laughs> national anthem you would see iwo jima and that flag waving and then it would go to snow and that would be the end of your television and there was no more after that and nowadays it's like they can be entertained at all times at always at all times and my kid watches 
Like I said, I, my kid likes to go on YouTube and watch other people play with toys and video mm-hmm. games. Yeah. That is incredibly boring to me. I, yes. I mean, I'm sure that it's for other people, but like, I want to play with that toy. I want to play that video game. I get no, it's like watching people play golf. Like, no, you know, like I'm not into that. You know, I mean, I want to, I want to do it myself or I don't really, you know, and, and, and that's just, it's so weird how it changes. But yeah, you can't bring up any of those things anymore because there's so much. And I wonder too, because they, they cycle them through so fast now, when our kids get older, well, when they get old, will they be able to reference something to other kids and then remember it? Exactly. So much. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? You can walk down the toy aisle right now and you'll see stuff that you have no idea. There's like just like YouTube channels that have their own toys. And I wouldn't even yeah, know about Ryan's that YouTube toys. channel. Oh, man. He loves him some Ryan. And I'm like, I've watched those shows. And all he does on Ryan's toys, he is even more directly a program link commercial than even he can. Because <laughs> yeah. if, if you watch Ryan's YouTube channel, he's like, oh, what are we doing today on Ryan's YouTube channel? Well, I'm opening up Ryan's toy. And I'm going to play with Ryan's toy. You get it at a retailer near you. And I'm like, man, they weren't even fucking around you know back in the day it was like you had to like they'd be like this was made by mattel and you're like okay maybe it's an advertisement maybe it's not but this guy is literally like here's my ryan themed stuff that you can buy at walmart and i'm playing with it right now and it's like wow this is they're not even trying anymore yeah it's crazy it's crazy and like i just that's one of the things i was i was thinking about and like i don't know if the if the generation that is coming up behind us is is missing out or not like maybe that's just my old way of thinking you know cuz i can just reference something and that'll be it but like you know they they don't have that same shared consciousness that like we do as a as a society like they're bringing stuff back so i can bring up ghostbusters but if i bring up ghostbusters which one are they thinking of if i bring up he-man which one are they thinking of and right. it's weird like how quickly like the, with the dawn of the internet how fast things just started moving just boom 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 there's shows that come out huge shows that people can be gigantic fans of and i've never even seen the title you know and they've dedicated their life to it it's so crazy to me how fast-paced the world has gotten and i just it's not that i want it to slow down or anything but it's just it's weird to me because i work with a lot of younger people and i I mention a lot of things and they look at me like what are you talking about who are you talking about? And I was like, how do you not know this? And it makes me feel terrible. When I make pop terrible. culture references on a bus with a bunch of fifth graders, <laughs> nothing will make you feel older than yeah. that. But here, here's another thing to your point, talking about how fast. Here, here's what the youth are missing. And it's not the advertising of the toys because that's there. What they're missing is being bored. <laughs> I used to have to sit in the backseat of a car while my parents rolled up the windows and chain smoked cigarettes all the way to Virginia. And that was just. <laughs> Taking the time, like if I was bored, don't touch your sibling because then there's a fight and you're in trouble. So, but the thing is, because the internet's there, the tablets are there, the Wi-Fi's there, the shows are constant. They're never, they're never going to see it all. It's impossible to see it. It's all. impossible. And like, so, so, so they never have to sit there and be like, "What do I do to be happy with just being myself for a while?" You, yeah. you know, I'm bored. How do I overcome that? Yeah. And I think that that is the challenge that we're going to see over the course of the generations is what happens when enti- what, what happens when humans are incapable of dealing with their own boredom. Yeah. What, what are the long-term results of that? Who yeah. Knows? You know what I mean? And that, I think that's to your, to your point, like I said, everything's moving so fast and so much that you can't consume it fast enough. It's impossible. And like, I mean, I know I've got, so I have so many video games that I haven't played through that if I dedicated <laughs> the rest of my life to doing nothing but playing the game, wouldn't come close. I own, I would, I would die of extreme old age and never finish. So, <laughs> you know, I, but when I was growing up, I had exactly when I first got my Nintendo, I had Mario slash Duck Hunt. Yep. And those were the games I had. Yep. And if I was gonna play a game, you better believe it's Mario and or Duck Hunt, because that is the only things <laughs> I have. And now just the choices like it's gotten it's almost gotten too much now that we're we're frozen by choice anxiety. Mm. And then when we're not frozen by choice anxiety, we're getting our dopamine fixed somehow. So like I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a weird place we're in, and I don't necessarily blame the program link commercial for all of it, but it definitely <laughs> opened that door and let a lot of people peek inside, and they were like, "We like where this is headed." And then, 
you know, we can monetize this. And so they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, that's just fascinating. Like, it, it the whole thing is just, I really like thinking about, like, where we're going to go and where things are going to take us and, like, what kind of this, what what is this going to do to the future generations? Like, what if happens, like, in, like, 20 years from now and everyone's so used to having everything in their pocket um, and then all of a sudden we don't have that? Then what? Right. Then we have to deal yeah. with emotions and feelings. And <laughs> yeah, one solar flare and it wipes us all out the power grid and yeah. then no internet, no computer, no cell phone, no nothing. Yeah, people are going to starve to this what's going to happen because <laughs> we have no idea how to do it. Like, I can come and shoot the TCP IP on a network, but I cannot grow the food. And yeah. so, like, you know, like we're going to be in a tough spot. But, uh, you know, ho- hopefully we'll come across better for it. I, I believe in the endurance of humanity. Just like in all those sci-fi fantasy things, if there's one thing I can count on, the humans are going to repopulate and take over all the land space. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll figure it out. May not be great. <laughs> I may not want to visit. We probably won't end up in Star Trek. It'll probably be more like Terminator, but, you know. <laughs> oh, 100%. Is, 100%. It's kind of it's coming. Um, well, before I let you go, we, we uh, just I, I, I'm going to skip over some lessons because I got to know. There's a, there's a singular story. If we get to the other one, cool. But I have to know. You, sir, used to work at an awful, awful establishment before you had your really great job now. Um, you used to work at Walmart. Um, I did. <laughs> So you just sent me, I got pooped on at Walmart. Can you please just tell me what the hell's going on there? <laughs> yeah, I will. So, so I worked at Walmart for several years. Uh, and during the course of the time at Walmart, I kind of moved up the ranks at Walmart because mm. I'm so energetic and so enthusiastic. They were like, this guy will literally do anything if we tell me to do it for money. And I'm like, yes, I will. And so over time, I became a support manager of the, of the store. And so in brief, a support manager is just you're doing all the work of a manager, but you're still hourly so they can pay you really badly to do it. But yeah. your work is your workload is the same. So what I would do during the stores is I basically went around the store just taking care of problems all day long. Yeah. And part of doing that is I was also part of loss prevention, which meant that if somebody was stealing something or anything else was happening, I would go and kind of take care of that issue. So what I like to do, though, is I'd shop the store until somebody needed me. So I spent a lot of time in the toy section with my little buggy, you know, <laughs> putting things out of place, you know, but also looking, looking at the toys. So one day I'm, I'm over there in the toy section, as I do. And you know, you know how when you walk through the Walmart aisles, you'll see like something coming to view and then out of view because you're looking down aisles, right? Yeah. So I look over and I see this is when they, I don't even think they wear these anymore, but they used to have these bright, the blue and red like vests that they used to wear. Yeah, over, yeah, yeah. Over the, yeah. So I look over and I see this guy in a red vest come into view in the one of the aisles and he is swinging. Like fist fighting this guy, and then he kind of moves out of the way, and then the guy comes into the the view, and then they kind of both move through, and I'm like, what? I said, oh, here's the thing, you can't just get into fights places; that's illegal. Yeah. But if you happen to be a Walmart employee and you happen to look over, and a Walmart employee is in dire straits, you can absolutely step in. So I'm like, oh, my time, you know. Once again, hero complex. Watch way too much man. It's go time, baby. So I go running around the corner and I run up and I bear hug this guy. When I bear hug this guy, I drop both of his arms to his sides instantly. Bear hug, lift him up off the ground. I'm I'm not a small guy, yeah. but I'm bigger than that guy was. So I get him off the ground. And as soon as I do, the fight's over, man. His yeah. arms are pinned. My hands are locked. Done. So all of a sudden, I feel something kind of hit my inner thigh <laughs> and kind of go down my calf. And then my foot slips. And then at about the same time, I get this smell that is like wafting up into my face it smells like poop yeah um because it is so this guy is wearing like <laughs> boxers and shorts and when i wrap my arms around him i don't know if it was the squeeze or the adrenaline or the fact that he was caught but he fully fecalated himself <laughs> oh my god so he like just lets it loose and i thought I, I guess he thought i was gonna let him go 
But, I, you know, I'm just too stupid for that. So I, I still hold on. So I start to feel the moisture seeping uh, through my pants uh, because, uh, you know, how, how the do. So I've got him. And now I'm kind of slipping and sliding on because the, the floor, you know, it's that tile, right? Yeah. So it gets real slippery if there's a nice poop on the floor. So, like, I'm slipping around. So finally, I, I, I managed to drag him out into through the garden center exit where we sit him on the blacktop. It's July. It's 98 degrees outside. And it smells really, really badly. Now, I found <laughs> out that this guy was shoplifting. Because of course he was, and the C the, the the customer service manager, the CSM, was just trying to you know they have to nicely ask. They stop yes. you at the door and be like, so "You happen to have anything in Walmart's on your person?" And sometimes the person's like, "No," and then sometimes the person's like, "I'm gonna fight my life," you know. And <laughs> yeah. Happened, you know, what happened in that scenario? So so anyway, so we drag him outside. So we call the police. We stand out there for like 20 minutes. I, I feel there's poop on me. There's poop down my leg. The police shows up. <laughs> He gets out of the car. At the time, he was, it was a new Dodge Charger, you know, because they change those police cars every so many years in Georgia. Yeah. So he comes up and goes, what do we got here? And he walks up, and as soon as it hits him, he goes, woof. And he reaches over, and he grabs his little microphone and goes, send in a rookie. And then about <laughs> so 10 minutes later, I swear, I kid you not, Roscoe Pico trades car from Dukes of Hazard comes rolling up. I mean, it, it is like, it looks exactly like that era of police yeah. car. And so he comes rolling up, and then they put the guy in the back of the car, and the and the guy leaves. So at this point in time, I have I have the poop still on me. Still, I mean, like it's not like clumped on there, but there's definitely like the darkened stains that bad. rolled down my leg. <laughs> so I, I go I go to my boss. I'm like, hey man, I gotta go home and change these pants because there's there's poop on me. And he's like, well, it's so late in your shift. If you go home, you won't make it back until your shift is over. And I was like, well, that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. <laughs> I have poop on my pants. He's yep. like, well, we can't let you go. And I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to go into Walmart where I see that there are plenty of pants and I'm going to get a pair of pants and I'm going to put them on. And they're like, oh, we can't just give you a pair of pants what? off the shelf. And I'm like, so, so yeah, so they made me go buy another pair of pants and then I had to put those on. And like, here's the thing. This, this was in the, um, the late nineties. Mm. And let me tell you, like, I was so, I was like, I'm going to have AIDS. I'm going to have AIDS on AIDS. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. somebody did a biological weapon. The guy shat himself on me. You yeah. know what I mean? So anyway, so I, I changed my pants. I went home and burned those other ones, threw them away immediately, did the whole Ace Ventura crying in the shower bit, yeah. you know, uh, that whole thing, reaching up at the waters that comes down. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I recovered from that. But not many people can say they had been pooped on in a Walmart before. No, no. And and I and I did, and it was it was it was part of the job. I was back there the next day, and there, that, that's going to be part of a. I, I, I have, I have a, one of these days when I become a stand up comedic, uh, yeah. a stand up comedy, uh, a stand up comedian. I will have the. This is how my Walmart series went the tour because there's so many so many stories just exactly like that. Uh, where, you know, try to do something nice, and then you get pooped on. Uh huh. So is that why you don't I, work there anymore, or is that just like another Monday? No, no, well, but the the reason I worked there to begin with is because I was in college and I had a girlfriend that lived in the city where the Walmart was, and so mm. I needed a reason to be there a lot. Mm. And then I went to uh, when I moved from that college to another college uh, in Statesboro. I, went, I ended up at Georgia Southern. I just didn't want to transfer down there again because I had already I had I felt like after five years at Walmart and after seeing the things I've seen and doing the things I've done, <laughs> I've been buried in the dumpsters. I've seen lightning almost strike golf carts that I've been on. While I was getting uh, uh, um, layaway stuff from outside of bins in the back. I've gotten into huge fistfights in the parking lot, like any weird and crazy thing. One time I had to crawl under a, I had to belly crawl underneath a men's bathroom stall oh. to unlock because the yeah nobody wants to belly crawl in the no. men's bathroom. 
That's the last place you want to put your chest. Anyway, I had, I had to I had to get over there to unlock the door because a homeless guy had gotten in there and drank like four bottles of Lysol, and we didn't know if he was just unconscious and pleasantly drunk or if he was dead. Oh. And so I knew I was too heavy to go over the top because then I just collapsed on there. So I'm coming underneath this thing, looking up at this dude on the toilet. You oh know, my like my god! Imagine though, if you had come to on the toilet at the Walmart and some guy <laughs> was belly crawling under, you get stopped for that. Yeah, thing. man. So, anyway, I, I left because I. I felt like I had my full of that sort of work, uh, uh, and also I got I got a federal. Study. I stayed there for fifteen years, so and now and now I I, I poop on others for fun. So oh, that's good. It's, that's uh, good. How things change. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll be nice enough to buy them a pair of pants. <laughs> Unlike Walmart, shiesty. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that was that was probably the shadiest thing that, that had ever happened to me. There was that like made me buy my own pants. Like I, I, I did. I took one for the team. Actually, I took number. You took two, two for, for the team. team. Yeah. And, uh, and they were like, oh, "We can't do that." And I was like, "You, you wound me, Walmart. You wound me." Yeah. Took, it, it, the, the thing about me is that I don't just change a flat tire. I experience changing a flat tire. So working at Walmart, although the company itself not so great, was some of the most adventurous years of my life. Almost on par to my, my adventures of my company now, because when you walk into one of those big retail box stores like that, they've got 3,000 employees and it's a city in there. Mm-hmm. And like you just never know who's in there doing what at what point in time. And let me tell you, the highest class individuals are not shopping at the Walmart. No. And <laughs> They're they're not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying that more weird things are more likely to happen, but like it's not necessarily the upper echelon of society is is perusing those aisles. <laughs> so you're dealing with people that got their own issues, you know, and like <laughs> never know. It's a random roll of the dice every day, and that was always super exciting. Like who is going to try to be at work today? Yeah. So. Such is life, such is Walmart. <laughs> well, if you can believe it, man, uh, we've actually went over our hour mark, so I'm going to start wrapping things up. I know, I knew we'd do it. Um, so if you have anything you would like to plug um, before we do all the other stuff, go ahead now. It can be anything you got going on. It could be, you know, you got friends who have things that they have going on, or you have something personal, or you just want to like talk about the new He-Man show for like you know a minute or two. Whatever you got, plug away, man. I will. So I highly recommend the Master Universe Revelation show on Netflix. Uh, it's got a lot of flack online because a, a lot of people are like, oh, you're making it about Tila. But like, really, if you go and watch the old He-Man show, which I, I highly recommend you do that as well, you will find that like you get tired of the same show over and over. Yes, He-Man fights Skeletor, He-Man wins. We get it. But there's so many other characters that didn't really have good character development. Yeah. And so it's good to see other characters get developed. And at the end, it's still a He-Man story. And also... Hila was always destined to become the sorceress. That's part of the canon. You know, all those things that happened in that show, it was very good. The animation was fantastic. I love Kevin Smith stuff. Also, and, and I'm going to say this to the very end, so hopefully you guys will forget all the things I said earlier, but if you ever want to talk about travel or know anybody wants to do group travel, feel free to uh, uh, look up kellytours.com, uh, uh, hashtag kellytours, and then get in touch with me because I love doing that stuff, and I would be glad to let you take me on vacation. Yeah, so, that's awesome, man. That's super fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I told you we were going to have a final question, but there's actually two. Um, I'm a liar as well. Um, and so the first <laughs> question um, is actually my favorite question to ask anyone um, is, what is your favorite song right now? Okay. Um, my favorite song right now is a song by Rotor Sand, and it's called Truth is Fanatic Again. Um, and they had a they had a, an album called Truth is Fanatic, and they had one version of the song on there, and then they kind of released a single later on. So it's R-O-T-E-R-S-A-N-D, Truth is Fanatic Again. And it's all about, strangely enough, 
how we are advertised to ruthlessly, and it helps <laughs> uh, it helps uh, determine our worldview and how we're so comfortable with the worldview that we have that we will do anything to make sure nothing shakes that. <laughs> and, uh, it, has, it has a rocking beat. So if you want to go on a run, I highly recommend it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So the reason why I ask this is actually I ask every person that comes on the show uh, what their favorite song is right now. And then what I do is I take that song and I put it on a playlist. That song is called uh, Bitter and Jaded, the original motion picture soundtrack. Um, Jenna okay. named it, of course, because she's hysterical. Um, and, and it's just so cool to like, I use it as like a time capsule. Um, like, in six months from now, you might not even think about that song. That might not be anything that's going on. But the day you had the interview with me, that was your favorite song. And I put it on the playlist. Man, that playlist is wackadoo. It goes from musicals to like hip hop to this, whatever this is that you just sent me. And it's it's fantastic. And I music is like the as how I get through most things in my life. And to have something like this is just like really, really cool. So I'm going to take that song and I'm going to put it on the playlist. And I'll send you the link after all this. That way you can I, check I, it I'd out, love, man. I'd love the Spotify link or whatever for that playlist because yeah. I'd wade through it just to see what other people are into. Yeah, I love man. new music. Yeah, uh, man. And this, this is a group from Europe and they do a lot of uh, uh, future pop, which is kind of like an electronica song thing from Germany sort of thing. So it's kind of obscure, but it gets my heart racing. <laughs> Absolutely. That's super cool, man. That's super cool. So your final question uh, is, are you ready? You ready for your final question? No, I'm, I'm, I'm yes, I'm ready. All right, cool. Um, good. I need you to be prepared for this because it's serious. Um, if you were a Ninja Turtle, <laughs> which character would you be and why? Michelangelo. Yeah, um, exactly. There's no other answer I to that feel, freaking question. I, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that. I feel like that Michelangelo. He, he's he's the closest. Uh, he's the closest to like a like a like a tune. Like he, he he doesn't adhere to reality as others adhere to reality. He's yeah. like he's like the good guy version of the Joker. Where like you never know what in the world he's thinking. Like he's looking through a t- completely different lens than everybody <laughs> else. Like, Raphael, he's angry. Leonardo is a very focused ninja. Donatello is is very technological oriented. But like especially if you watch the 2014 Nickelodeon CGI Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, which I also highly recommend. Michelangelo. <laughs> It's just bonkers. Yeah. And I really, that appeals to me, that ability to just kind of laugh and make a joke and think of some random obscure pop culture reference to get through like even the worst of scenarios. He's, he's a turtle that can laugh his way through problems. Mm. And I think that that's, that I would not have survived as long as I did without that ability. And Michelangelo has been a huge inspiration. By my life for that. <laughs> See, I like this question. I actually ask this question to a lot of people um, in my off times um, because you, it's kind of like uh, Jenna does this with uh, uh, Harry Potter, which house are you? Um, and you can tell a lot of people a lot about a person, depending on the answer that they give um, because they're character archetypes. They are literally like, this is the funny guy. This is the smart guy. This is the kind of angry guy. You know what I mean? Just like it yeah. is for, or Harry Potter, this is the like the smarter group, this is blah blah blah. And so when I ask people that question and say you give me like, I don't know, say you tell me that like Leonardo is like your favorite, I'm be like, oh yeah, cool. You know, but if you say Mikey, I'm like, let's go. Like I know we're gonna I know we're gonna be good. I know we're gonna be able yeah, to figure it yeah. out because we're similar. He, he's he's you know in the, in the one show is like uh, uh Michelangelo he's one of a kind and you know just when to find him when it's party time. Yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> anyways it, it, he's he's great and, and you know what I'm saying uh, Harry Potter is a little different in my whole and I'll get done because I know you gotta end this. But but like Anybody that says, I'm Gryffindor, they kind of come across like an egotistical asshole already. <laughs> and anybody that's like, I'm Slytherin, you're just kind of saying you're just an asshole already. Uh-huh, so like, yeah. I, I, it has to either be Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. And I know nobody wants to be Hufflepuff, but like, that's pretty much what most people actually are. So <laughs> deal, deal with it. Don't yeah. tell Jenna I said any of those things because she disagrees with me. <laughs> She'll give you the whole spiel, I'm sure. Just ask her, what's the Harry Potter question? And she will uh, completely attack you, I promise. Um, Dude, but, uh... I will do that. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This has been super fun. Um, I had a, I had an Thanks absolute blast. We learned a bunch of dumb stuff about He-Man and and advertising and how it's been corrupting us since uh, God forever. And I just I don't know. It was just super, the moment super fun. you were born when you were <laughs> swaddled in your first Care Bears blanket. <laughs> um, and if you're out there and you want to come on my show, please hit me up. I've got a website. It is www.bitterandjadedpodcast.com, or you can email me directly at bitterandjadedpodcast at gmail.com. It goes directly to my phone right now. We're doing this over Skype. He's in Macon, Georgia, right now, and we had this lovely conversation. So I can come to you you can come to me we can figure something out we can have a good talk um the way i always like to do the outro is um i never get any feedback i'm gonna keep saying this until someone actually gives me some feedback on this but i love doing it it's called musical music because i know y'all i know all you guys love it i know you love it because you don't tell me that much you love it um <laughs> but what i do is like i mentioned before i love music music is like literally what keeps my heart beating and so i listen to music all the time and what i do is i have a huge gigantic list of my phone of like songs that will like say like a funny line or it'll say like something that's super meaningful um and i'll write it down and i'll be like oh that's super cool and so like this week uh, is from um one of my favorite bands on and off. I like the one album that came out. I can listen to that album 24-7, you know, seven days a week. Um, but um, it's really special to me because uh, they're, like, really vibey. And most of my music, I listen to a lot of punk rock, so it's, like, really, like, loud. And, like, this band is, like, one of the offshoots where I'm just like, yeah, let's kind of chill out. But the band's called Mountain Joy. And... Um, it just makes me think of like all the people that are out there that actually listen to me and talk to me. And uh, so the song is called Cardinal. Again, it's by Mountain Joy. And uh, it says, uh, all of my favorite people don't march to the beat of your drum. And I like that because the people that I like are weird and sometimes awful, you know? And they don't, they're not just like, oh my God, live, laugh, love. They're like, you know, <laughs> there's so much right. more than that. And like, I, I just, I really, really like to talk to the, to the weirdos and the, the outcasts and the, just the not normal, because why would you want to be normal? That's so freaking Being boring. Being is where it's at. Yes! <laughs> yes! So anyway, I'm going to take that song and add it, add it to the playlist as well. That way, if anybody out there wants to hear it, um, you can go ahead and give it a listen. Um, but again, thank you so much, Stephen. This has been fantastic, and um, I will talk to you later. Okay, bud? Yeah, thank you for everything. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely.